1: of the Roden Fellows, hand-picked students from six historically black colleges and universities. They're young, they're smart, and they are living one of the most unique experiences in American higher education. I'm Bill Roden, and here are this week's Roden Fellows.
2: I'm Donovan Dooley from North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro,
3: North Carolina. I'm Isaiah Smalls from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: And I'm Simone Benson from Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: Is it? Isn't it cold there right now?
1: Ah, oh, it's cold as a
3: whoa, 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 whoa,
2: whoa. whoa, whoa. Oh <laughs> yeah. hey, got the money to be paying <laughs> fines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's just thank you for saving my friend. Uh, let's just say it's cold here. I got here at six in the morning, and it was like. One below zero, and they get off on it. They like, ah ha ha, but you never heard it like that. Anyway, it's <laughs> uh, but it's really, really. They feel it feels like it's negative seventeen. So yeah, uh, there are only a few reasons why I would put myself in these conditions, and Super Bowl forty-two is one of them. I'm going to be here for the next uh, few days, talking to players and coaches, and covering the big game. Uh, the fellows and I are going to share our predictions and reflections uh, on an unprecedented season in the NFL uh, where player activism was front and center. But before we get to that, let's uh, take a quick look at uh, at the week that was in sports. Um, there's more fallout from Michigan State University and its handling of sexual assault and violence allegations. According to the undefeated Jamel Hill, I like saying that, the undefeated Jamel Hill, The issue is much bigger than Larry Nassar and and the 256 women and girls who have accused him of sexual abuse. The school's men's basketball coach has pending sexual assaults and violations pending against some of his players. MSU has chosen a new interim president, John Engler, who says that addressing the university's sexual abuse issues will be his priority. And earlier in the week, Blake Griffin, like many of us, Found out that he was traded on Twitter.
2: <laughs> Blake Griffin is probably the biggest disappointment in power forward history. I'm probably probably gonna tell you.
3: <laughs> wow, wow. Blake Griffin might be Hot the take. biggest
2: disappointment as a power forward in NBA history. I'm just gonna put that out there.
1: <laughs> All right, we're, we're, uh, right, okay. We can, we'll talk about that, baby. But uh, but but this came as a disappointing uh, surprise to the former Clippers power forward. He was shocked. But he says he wants to play for a team who really wants him. Well, hopefully he's found that team. And lastly, ESPN reported that King James, LeBron uh, LeBron James, may have a meeting with the Golden State Warriors. Now, there's been no indication that the Warriors are actually working to make uh, room uh, for a salary that would lure James, but the current star of the Cleveland Cavaliers, is expected to decline his $35.6 million player option and become an unrestricted free agent after the season. So I guess he's going to be kind of prostituting himself out again. Anyway, <laughs> that, 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 that brings us to the much-anticipated Super Bowl. Although all that stuff is always a Super Bowl number four. But, but that brings us to the much-anticipated Super Bowl. Last week, you all shared your Super Bowl predictions. So, Simone and Donovan were with the Eagles, and Isaiah, who previously that was one of the biggest Traitor. Philadelphia fans I know, jumped wow. ship. Traitor! And somehow, Traitor. it's now all about Traitor. the Patriots. God,
3: I don't. I wouldn't that, say all about.
1: Okay, well, listen. Does anyone? Okay, we, we have the institute the Isaiah uh, Smalls. Does anybody want to change their answers now from last week? Anybody? Isaiah, you want to flip-flop again?
3: No loyalty. No, why would no I flip-flop? Loyalty. I'm thinking with my head, and not my heart. KD? That's the, that's the key to this. KD. You gotta think with your
1: head and your heart.
3: KD. <laughs> wow. Okay. It, well, it's, it's pretty it's yeah. really simple. It's actually very simple.
1: Uh, what would you say, Simone?
0: Okay, I'm sticking with the Eagles. I'm sticking with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm, I'm still staying, going. I'm going to stay loyal, and mm. I'm going to say. good the Eagles. for you. I mean, see I mean,
1: Isaiah did flip flop, but I don't see how in anybody, <laughs> anybody, logically, and particularly after what the Patriots did last year, how could anybody bet against uh, New England? I mean, they may lose, but
3: <laughs> you be—I mean, you'd be crazy to bet against this team. Well, call me crazy then, because I'm betting against. Them. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying.
0: Well, I'm not. Well, I see. I'm not putting no money down or anything, but <laughs> I just I'm gonna go with them and see what happens. I'm just I'm gonna rob them to the end because I've been and riding. Look, with the them. dynasty they got them to end sometime, district, so I can't just jump ship like that.
3: The dynasty. Has it, I got mean, to it, end does some have, it does have it does have fall. to end sometime, but I don't think it's ending this year. I mean, it, what it comes down to, there's a couple facts. The Patriots do have the weakest defense that the Eagles have faced all year. That's a fact. The Eagles have one of the best D lines in football. And the key to, devi- to defeating Brady is what you gotta hit him. But yeah, well, well yeah, I mean, everybody knows is that. <laughs> I've always been saying <laughs> but, that. But Bill Belichick <laughs> is like the greatest coach yeah, all, all in got, NFL history. All you got, to do is are right. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in NFL history. That's what it comes down to. I don't have enough faith in Doug Peterson being able to outcoach Bill Belichick. I just don't. What about Nick Foles?
1: I mean, Nick. Does. I mean, doesn't, doesn't Foles have the offense to pull up an offset? I mean, he's 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 the X factor, you know. He's versatile. He likes to run around, you know. He's he's the exact opposite of Tom Brady, and, and he has nothing to lose, you know. I mean, we have nothing to lose. You play loose, you know. I'm, Matt I'm, Ryan I'm, I'm, had
3: nothing to lose last year. Matt Ryan had nothing to lose last year, and what did he do? He lost. Well, he but lost. they
1: were up. They were up. What eight. Twenty to 20. 28 yes. to three.
3: Yeah. yeah, you're right. So you're
1: you're right. You, you you don't think you don't think the Eagles have been studying? How did they get to two? I was just thinking about that before, before we started the conversation. I, you know they studied the film. They said, okay, how did they get up twenty eight three? That's what we want to find because I don't think the Eagles. The, I don't think the Eagles. See the Eagles. You know all these guys, man, from Philadelphia. I don't think that they're going to collapse. I think if they get up by two touchdowns, they're not letting them. They're not letting them off the you know and then Isaiah you go you can call halftime and change your vote again
3: <laughs> um, I'm not changing my prediction I just, I just don't think that Doug Peterson can out coach Bill Belichick I but see don't. this
2: is my thing this is my thing about the game right even if we're talking about Nick Foles which I don't think Nick Foles is going to be that big of an impact in this game but if we look at the If we look at the two different teams, right, the Eagles are more talented at almost every other position on the field besides quarterback, right. So if Nick Foles can just go on there and just be pedestrian, he's going to give the Eagles a really good chance to win that game because they are they're just better at the they're just more they're better than the Patriots at every other position on the field. If you just look at it that way, so as long as he doesn't lose the game for them, Nick Foles is going to have a chance to be a Super Bowl championship solely because of the pieces around him.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's that's happened before. I mean, with, with the Bal- yeah, you know, with the Ravens, when the Baltimore Ravens won, they had a terrible quarterback. And um, yeah, Joe what's Blacko? the guy's Yeah, no, Joe no, Blacko, not Joe yeah. Fackler. Before that,
2: Trent Dilfer. Uh, Trent
1: Dilfer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he may have been one of the worst quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl, but they had a they had a lights out defense. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think if if we hear uh, uh, Nick uh, Foles having to carry the offense, they're going to lose. They, they, you know, but, but they can't, you know, uh, and then, you know, you got a guy like Danny Amendola. I mean, is Danny Amendola really unstoppable? I mean, how, how did the Patriots do it with these guys? You know, these kind of bit players.
3: The numbers, the numbers do show that he is unstoppable. It's kind of wild. I was reading an article about it today, and he, the numbers are in his favor for, for him, specifically in the playoffs being unstoppable. Now, in the regular mm-hmm. season, he's obviously, you know, pedestrian like he didn't live up to when they you know you. they traded they got him after uh Wes Welker went to the Broncos and so they he hasn't really lived up to who he was supposed to be in the regular season but in the playoffs he's he's pretty unstoppable I mean he had two touch two clutch touchdowns last week or not last week two weeks ago so see this is the problem <laughs> I have with
2: Patriots players though like they're all system players even Tom Brady to a certain extent they're all just system oh, yeah. players I agree. I agree. And if you take them outside that, if you take them outside that system, I don't know how good these players will actually be. They're all system players, and they they benefit from the system that Belichick has them in. So to say that Amendola is unstoppable, eh, I'm not really sure if I can go that far. I mean, he's a system player that benefits from being in a favorable system to his skill set. You see that when you put anybody there, whether it's Edelman or Welker, everybody has had success in Amendola's spot. So why are we giving him so much credit?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I don't like
3: think, but I mean you have, gotta what, you, what, you gotta you gotta analyze it in in the context. He is what? A member of the well, New England Patriots. So as a member of the New England Patriots, he has looked unstoppable in the playoffs. But is well that one thing, is that, is Amendola unstoppable
2: or is that position on the Patriots just unstoppable?
0: I agree with Donovan, is he's a system player because I was reading an article this week. Um, and he was saying that how um Bel was it Bella I always say his name wrong. Uh, Belichick, his he's been his co- he's known him and been his coach um since ten since he was ten years old. Not since he mm. was ten, been been his coach ten, ten year old, but he's known him since he was since, since um since he was um since Danny was ten was ten years old. Mm. So I think that yeah. in a sense he you know he knows who knows he, who he was like 10 he years knows old. him. I mean, huh?
1: Who? Who? That? that
0: Amade- who Amadella. Who's? He's known. The, oh, Amadella. Co- yeah, known yeah. Coach, since he was ten. Yeah, since he was ten years old. Yeah, so when you well, talk about, yeah. So since when you talk about like a system, you know, system player, I think in that sense that you know who you're. You know, I, I think he. I don't. I think he's unstoppable. But we'll see what happens.
1: Well, they created. They've created a niche for the white. For the white slot man. That 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 would be sort of like the system thing. That that's if if, if you're like white kid, like five nine or something, you go to go go to New England, you could be a slot, and maybe be a lineman too. But see, the reason I think I what gives Philadelphia the edge, even though I'm i I'm, I'm going with with the Patriots just because I can't vote it, is they've got the captain of the all activist team. See, they've got Malcolm Jenkins. You know, Malcolm Jenkins. Of course, was the captain of the all protesting. Well, he's a co-captain along with uh, uh, with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, Ka- well, Kaepernick is actually the owner of the team. But at, at, on, on a serious note, though, um, I, I think, and I don't know what what you guys think that that this year, although this is the last game of the year, this this season has basically been the season of protest, and I think that's what this entire season has been about is protest. And of course, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, who's the uh, the safety of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, was one of the leaders of a splinter group in the protest, the Players Coalition. It's kind of broke off to players who sort of followed, you know, Kaepernick, Aaron Reed, um, and, and some other players. And um, I caught up with, with Bennett uh, earlier today uh, during the the, the interviews. And I, I asked Jenkins a few things about protest, but the first thing I, I asked him is the way the protest ended with with the uh, players' coalition uh, agreeing to accept money from the NFL owners and then stopping protest. That seemed to me to create some a divide. And, and I, I asked Jenkins, did he think that uh, despite the divide, that players
4: were going to
1: uh, uh, come together? And this is what he said:
4: I think so. I, I mean, uh, I think. Uh, When it comes to protests, uh, that's going to be a personal decision for every individual. Um, But when it comes to the work, we're all headed toward the same goal. And so uh, sometimes we might not agree on how to get there or or what that is, but um, I know specifically what we're doing with the player coalition is completely separate from the NFL. That's its own player-run entity that is for the players and ran by the players. Um, And what we're doing is is creating a platform um, for guys all around the league To plug in, to get the resources to actually uh, amplify their voices, so they're not out doing things on their own. They're not, you know, running through their own resources that they can figure out what the issues are. They can learn about it, uh, get in front of legislators. They can get meetings set up. You know, we created this for it to grow. What
1: what do you What do you guys think about that? That, Do you think that, uh, as Jenkins said, the players will come together and that they will look at the uh, the big picture? What do you What do you think, Simone?
0: Um, I think that it's, it's, it's hard to say because it's like, yes, you know, you do get the money and it does help us, um, different types of causes, but also it's like, can your cause really be bought? Mm. You know, and, yes. and, and <laughs> that, Clearly, and that yes. yeah. And that's the thing. Clearly it could be bought. Uh, there is a price tag to your cause and that's kind of how I, I saw it. Um, but like I said, this on the flip side, I can understand, I can kind of understand if it would help, you know, it would help the cause in some way, but it still doesn't mean you have to stop, stop protesting. It doesn't, you know, it's kind of putting, it's kind of like putting a band-aid, you know, on, on, a, a, on a real problem. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it eventually, eventually that band-aid is going to wear off and it's going to be an open sore again. And then, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't think the player is going to bring the players together. I think it's what it's going to do is cause more of a divide because you got some players that can't be bought. For instance, mm. I mean, I know Kaepernick doesn't play, but he probably they probably couldn't buy him. They can't buy him for, for mm. what he believes. So
1: yeah, they're not going to pay him either. Right. Yeah, thanks, for, <laughs> Isaiah. What do you think? You're a conservative Morehouse man. You're a conservative Morehouse man. <laughs> what do you, what do you know, think I about don't. that? Was the movie be bought?
3: Uh, I don't really like the uh, word conservative about something in the future.
2: He still has a, he still has a, um, the ability to come back and protest that again. I don't feel like this is um, I don't feel like it's an in some game. I feel like you can do both. You can accept that money. But if you your,
1: let me ask you guys uh, something, this uh, if you and I want to get to one final clip. But if you accept money from somebody, you know, well, if 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 a conference, you know, we as as fellows, uh, you know, as Roden fellows, uh, we're developing certain partnerships. For certain conferences, you know, you guys are going to be with the Big 12 during the big during the tournament and the Sun Belt and all that. If an issue comes up involving those conferences, as journalists, will you still write about it, even if it might put uh, them in a negative light? Is there a conflict of interest there? What do you think? I mean, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you got bought up. But once you accept money from somebody, are you beholden to them? What do you think about that?
3: I mean, it depends on the... Uh the context of why you received money. So in Malcolm Jenkins' case, he was championing for social justice reform. NFL pledged money to that cause. He said, hey, I'm going to stop protesting because they've done, you know, they've filled their end of the bargain. Now, Donovan brought up a good point. Now, if something else happens later down the line, let's say another uh, player gets blackballed and he feels strongly enough to protest again, then he can so, in specific, uh, specifically talking about the situation that you just brought up, if the the conferences aren't signing my checks, the undefeated is signing my checks. So, if if I'm a journalist, as a good journalist, I'm going there for the exposure. Now, I'm not going to bash them right then and there and bash them on their networks. But if I feel so strongly about something that you know took place, I will go back to you know my respective home, come back to Atlanta, ponder it a little bit, bounce it off of. You know, that's why you have good mentors in your life like you, Mr. and You bounce it off of uh, people like you. See what, you know, what I should do and then make the decision, hey, either I'm going to write something about it or, B, I'm not going to write something about it.
1: All right. Uh, l- l- the last thing I asked him, one of the big issues, I think, in this whole thing with Kaepernick and the players and all that was that it was never properly framed. It was, you know, it w- it became an issue about do you love the flag or are you patriotic or do you – Do you like the Star-Spangled Banner or do you like the police? When really, to me, once it became obvious that uh, the NFL owners were blackballing Kaepernick, it should have become a labor issue. The NFLPA should have made this a labor issue. And I asked uh, Malcolm Jenkins what he thought about that. Should this have been framed as a labor issue? And this is what he said.
4: I think so. I I mean, I think when it comes to protests, uh, that's going to be a personal decision for every individual. Um, but when it comes to the work, we're all headed toward the same goal. And so uh, sometimes you might not agree on how to get there or, or what that is, but um, I know specifically what we're doing with the player coalition is completely separate from the NFL. That's its own player-run entity that is for the players and ran by the players. Um, and what we're doing is, is creating a platform um, for guys all around the league to plug in, to get the resources to actually uh, amplify their voices, so they're not out doing things on their own. They're not, you know, running through their own resources. That they can figure out what the issues are. They can learn about it. Uh, get in front of legislators. They can get meetings set up. You know, we created this for it to grow, and I, I fully anticipate um, it growing. The more people learn about it, the more they see the work. Uh, we've already, you know, I think today the league dropped a, a piece of showing. Devin McCourty and some of the Patriots guys uh, getting out in the community and doing a listen and learn tour similar to what we did in Philadelphia. We did it in Detroit. Um, and Like I said, we fully anticipate uh, eventually getting that league wide.
1: What do you guys think about that? I mean, do you think that uh, that that moving forward, these things should be labor issues and not sort of whether you're an activist or whether you like the flag or that kind of stuff? What do you think?
0: um I think that it should definitely have been a labor issue, but I also like I kind of gonna go back to Isaiah's point and Donovan's point too when they were talking about people are protesting for different reasons, I think the protests kind of got lost in a sense too and it, um, because I don't think I, because everybody was a lot of a lot of players were protesting for different reasons, there was nothing really cohesive going on to begin with. Because if you got you know a lot of things that are being talked about, you don't know like, you know what's you know what we're really fighting for at, at this point. You you know what the individuals fighting for, but you don't know what as a whole what we're really fighting for. But like I said, but it's it. That, I think because of that, it trickled down to people being able to make it a different. Um, A different issue as it it being a labor issue or being like said um when people were talking about oh you're against the flag or against the military all stuff so i think it's all because of because it was never really truly cohesive after a while it just trickled down to that and it just it's all over the place so Mm -hmm.
2: right um Kind of piggybacking off what Simone said, um, I definitely think it should have been a labor issue because um, the way that many people tried to twist the story was, uh, you know, making it about the flag and about these different types of, you know, protests basically against like um, against America, against, against the national um, standards and symbolic standards of America. And I think that if the labor union would have stepped in and, and come, come, uh, come forward and said that you know, this is our player. This is, um, this is a guy who's in our labor union that you guys are mistreating. I think they would have had a significant leg to stand on there and trying to get somebody like Kaepernick back re-employed, um, with the NFL. I think that would have been, I think that was their, that was their duty to step in there and say something about that.
0: That's a good point, Donovan, because honestly, like, just to be frank, they did not stand up for him at all. They literally left him out to dry. And they said, they said, oh, you feel this way? Okay we're going to look this way. Cause like, you know, it's like, it was like, so they left them out to dry. That's why everything is everywhere. And and, and it couldn't, and because they didn't stand up for him, it was impossible to make it for, you know, he had people had to do what they had to do for themselves. They didn't stand up for him. And it's not right. That, that right there, I, for me personally, like, I sit there, I, my blood, blood, sweat, I'm working hard, I'm, you know, going out there in my, in physically use, in all this stuff, whatever. I'm going out there and I'm playing and I'm, you know, I'm, this is my career and I'm, you know, I'm looking out for a job. But once, the one time that I'm saying something, I feel, you guys turn your heads. And it might not be something you agree with. Yeah, it might not be something you agree with, but I'm still your player. It's a loyalty thing, too. It's like, what am I supposed to do? You left me out the dry. You, and then, then I'm still not working, you know, like so. Yeah. And the, and
1: the question becomes that we're going to take a short break. But you've now got some other players like Eric Reed who also protested and he's worried about what's going to happen to him. Are they going to blackball him? So clearly, and I think that's one of the things that Jenkins was saying, the NFLPA has his work cut out because they really got to take on the NFL. You just can't allow a league to do this to one of your members. Listen, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about the Super Bowl by reflecting on past Super Bowls and the matchups we want to see in the future. Stay tuned. If you're just now tuning in, you're listening to HBCU 468 from the frozen tundra of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm Bill Roden, and I'm on the phone with my co-host, Donovan Dooley. What's up? What's good? Isaiah Smalls. What's going on, y'all? And Simone Benson. Hi, how you doing? We're going to switch gears slightly from the upcoming 2018 game to Super Bowls in the past, and What we want to see from the league in the present. Uh, The February 4th game is going to mark the 28th time, more or less, I've been to the Super Bowl as a journalist. Uh, My first one was in 1990, the year my daughter was born. And, um, yeah, the coverage has has changed dramatically from then. I mean, just dramatically. Uh, You know, from basically print people doing nothing but print. Digital was sort of a word that we didn't really hear. Uh, they had a huge media day on uh, on Tuesdays. It's it just really changed. I mean, it, it's become more global, and it's just, you know, just become a thing unto itself. But I want to ask each of the fellows, when was your first uh, Super Bowl? I'll start with Simone, not because Lady is the first, but she, because she goes to Morgan. But Simone, Simone, what was the first Super Bowl you've become aware
0: of? Oh, uh- I mean, I've always been aware of Super Bowl, but the one that was like close to home was when the Cardinals played. I think it was 2008. What? Was it 2008? Mm-hmm. What year was that?
1: That's when you were living in Arizona.
0: Yeah, when I was living in Arizona. I lived across the street from the stadium. So when the Super Bowl happened, I like, I mean, all the tailgating and everything going on. So like that was, that was like to experience that seeing that one-on-one and looking outside my window and seeing it. It was just like, it's something that I, I that I, that was I'll never forget. Experience, but for me, the Super Bowl, like yeah, it's like I like the game and stuff, but I actually watch it for the halftime more or less. I just for another angle to it. I like the entertainment of the halftime, and I just I think the funniest one was when Janet Jackson had that mishap. So I just, I wait, especially this year with um, Justin Timberlake performing, I kinda just, I kinda like watching the halftime as much as I can. If you ask
1: yourself, how does he get to be a hero? Janet Jackson's been exiled, but yet Timberlake, well let's not go down that road. Well
0: we know why. We we definitely know why. We know why. (laughs) So you can say that for another why. podcast. It wasn't even her fault. <laughs> yeah, but Donovan, and, I mean, and let me just let me just no, hold on. Let me just say this before I, before we end this. And it wasn't her fault. It happened. His hand is the one that that moved it, and it ripped, Okay, so I think that I don't think she really wants to perform in the Super Bowl again. But I also think that they shouldn't be. I don't think it should be this big hoo ha about Justin Timberlake coming back because it was a, literally a wardrobe malfunction. She didn't like pulled out her se herself and was like oh here look so I don't yeah. know I, that really bothered double me.
1: double standard I know that was the beginning of sexual harassment <laughs> but yet he
0: wins <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay anyway uh Isaiah what do you what about your first Super Bowl
3: uh so the first Super Bowl that I have you know the clearest memory of is Super Bowl 40 which took place in Detroit um that was around the time when my dad actually lived in Detroit so I actually got to Go to a lot of the festivities. I remember throwing a football, uh, trying to hit one of the little mannequins, uh, because they always have a, ho- a lot of events. I actually bought a, uh, Sean Alexander Super Bowl themed jersey, um, that's still hanging in my closet somewhere. Um, yeah, that was the one that, you know, really. That's the one where I really got to engage in the Super Bowl festivities. And I had a lot of fun. I still remember that. I was, what, like nine years old? But the one that, you know, sticks out um, in memory that I'll forever, forever remember because I watched it with my own eyes and it's an image that's clear as day in my head is Super Bowl 42 with the um, David Tyree catch, uh, the Giants versus Patriots matchup. That's That catch forever sticks out in my mind because I definitely was up past my bedtime. And I remember <laughs> freaking out when I saw that.
1: <laughs> what about you, Donovan?
3: Oh yeah,
2: my favorite, my, um, my first Super Bowl I can remember was I want to say it was 2006 or 2007 when the Colts beat the Bears in the Super Bowl and Peyton Manning won his first ring. Um, I have family members from Indianapolis, Indiana, so I was I've always been a longtime Colts fan. And so being able to see um, the Colts win the Super Bowl, especially so young, was very special for me. I remember a lot from that uh, Super Bowl. Even I think it rained on that Super Bowl as well. Um, yeah, so it Dundee. was awful.
1: I was there. Yeah, yeah. true. It, you know, it rained on
2: the Super Bowl. I, mean, I remember Devin Hester taking the first kick back all the way to the house. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Wow, I'm I do remember trouble. that. I was like, we're yeah. going to be in trouble. And then you are talk <laughs> talking about the historical aspect of it, having two black coaches competing in the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith at the time, um, both coaching in the Super Bowl. It was just a really, really fun first Super Bowl experience to have, you know, the, the one that you'd like really, really remember. It was really cool.
1: Hmm. Let, let me ask you guys something. uh some quick answers. Did, did the Players Coalition and uh, – Potus forty remarks about kneeling and standing for the national anthem and the the protest and Kalen uh, uh, Kaepernick being being blackballed all of that uh, has it colored whether you want to watch the game or not or uh, any of you and your friends boycotting I know the answer to that but I'm gonna ask you anyway <laughs> you know but but has it colored whether you're gonna watch the game or not and uh, any anybody you know protesting boy boycotting rather
3: I uh, have I have a I have a couple uh Saints fans and, you know, in my immediate fan group. So they are not watching the Super Bowl for what Stephon Diggs did to them. Uh, so that's, <laughs> you know, kind of personal. <laughs> but uh, I I have to watch the game. I will be surrounded by Eagles fans. Um, so I have to watch it. Yeah, yeah I mean, me and
2: all my it. friends will be watching as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I, no, yeah.
1: no boy over here.
0: Yeah, I, so, I, I'm there for the food. So, like, no, I, I'll be watching. You know, so
1: much for consciousness.
0: But, him, if
2: somebody else wants to boycott, more power to them. If somebody else wants to boycott, more power to
0: them. I mean, I haven't boycotted this whole season, so this isn't, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to pick up the torch for a Super Bowl game.
1: Here's something that's close to home. Over t- 1,200 players from HBCUs have been drafted into the NFL, and as of uh, 2013, only about 150 have reached the Super Bowl. Uh, there are no HBCU alums playing this year's game. Um, I, I mean, are you surprised by that, uh, Donovan?
2: Um, not really surprised. Um, uh, you know, honestly, I just think it was one of those things, kind of like the luck of the draw. I mean, we do have a lot of we do have a lot of NFL players in the league from HBCUs. At, are making, you know, big time differences. Um, one of the prime examples being Tariq Cohen that came from North Carolina A&T mm-hmm. who was NSC North <laughs> Rookie of the Year as a, Shame as was a, a freshman. Plus. It was a, it was a plug. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It was a plug. It was definitely a plug. <laughs> it was definitely a plug. But yeah, I mean, you, we have, we have HBCU talent across the NFL. So just because they're not on either of these two teams' rosters, I don't think we should really be, you know, too worried about that because there are HBCU talent, there are talented mm-hmm. HBCU players out there making differences on was
1: let let me ask each of you this before we leave what's a Super Bowl match you'd love to
3: watch Mm. all right I can I can take this one uh before Ben Roethlisberger retires I definitely want to see uh the Steelers go with Le'Veon Bell and AB just because they're just fun to watch uh I prefer if they played the Eagles um but I definitely want to see the Steelers uh, make a Super Bowl before Big Ben decides to retire.
2: Honestly, for me, honestly for me, I really want to see the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl and lose to whoever in the AFC.
3: Yeah, I feel like that no, would be a big, that very is fun. you. You bring up a very good point, Donovan. I would love to see the Cowboys. I like that'd ben just lose. be very fun to watch and see the
0: Cowboys
2: <laughs> just make it there and just lose to whoever in the AFC. Like I think that would be extremely fun to watch.
0: Um, I'm okay with yeah. any game, as long as the Steelers aren't playing. Because I, I just, I don't like the Steelers. I just, it's just not a, I don't like watching them. And I don't like, I don't like, I don't, mm-hmm. and I would like to see a game where, I mean, I like, and I think Donovan's ideas too with the Cowboys, that would be pretty entertaining to watch people's reaction more or less, more than a game, if they lose. so Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well, because Cowboys see fans see the are world. some of the worst. They're some of the Wait. worst people on the planet. I'm sorry, they just are. <laughs> well,
1: I, I like to see a Super Bowl
3: with
1: with Colin Kaepernick gets back in the league, and he leads his team, his uh, an AFC team, to the Super Bowl and plays against slave plantation owner uh, uh, Jerry Jones' Dallas Cowboys and beats <laughs> him like thirty five to three. So that's what I like to see. A Calculate led oh AFC team beating Jerry Jones' Dallas Cowboys and winning thirty-five to three. And him running that's for three very touchdowns. Funny. That's big. <laughs> and very then funny. and then kneeling in the end zone. <laughs> anyway. That was funny. And then and then the and the game begins at his assistance with him playing instead of the national anthem, lift every voice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I uh, think these are day dreams now.
1: These are daydreams <laughs> now. <laughs> like, hey, so I guess with that, we need to shut it down. We need to close it. But listen, thanks everybody for listening. Before we leave you, I want to ask each of the fellows, what's your favorite sports movie? Uh, Simone, what do you think?
0: Um, well, it's not like it's uh, actually a documentary. My favorite sports movie documentary was Hoop Dreams. Um, I still watch that till this day. It was uh, a nineteen ninety four documentary uh follow two African American high school students from uh, that lived in Chicago um and then followed their dream if you know two they wanted to go to the NBA but of course a lot of things happened in between and followed their journey going to college. One went to college, one didn't and so it was just um it's just uh one of the documentaries that I one of my favorite documentaries of all time, but one of my favorite sports movies and documentaries as well. Well
1: that's okay.
3: Isaiah I had, you know, for this one, I got to, you know, pay homage to my Morehouse brother, Spike Lee, and go, he got game. Just because the script and the storyline was so great, it was exceptional that you could see past the bad acting of Ray Allen. Because it wasn't, you know, the best (laughs) acted, like, he wasn't the best actor, you know, in the world. But because the storyline was so great, you know, it captured my attention for the entire length of the movie. Because it's a long movie, too. It's definitely a little, it's definitely a little long but you know it was exceptional
1: my favorite movie it was, was exceptional was, was, was uh, Downton Abbey no just kidding my favorite movie was uh, uh, a documentary called The Athlete The Athlete about the great Ethiopian marathon runner and everything he had to do to go from uh, a small little village in Ethiopia to global fame but it's called The Athlete um, listen everybody we're going to leave it there but thanks for listening we we'll look forward to, I hope you enjoy the game. You're watching the game, you're not going to boycott it. So have fun. Be safe. Thanks for listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows podcast. This show is produced by Aaron Mathewson. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts, as well as all day. What are those? And morning roasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everybody.